as the conflicts in the Middle East. So today I'm going to throw a, bu a bunch of names and dates and facts at you. And you have a test on Friday, so you better take notes. No, I'm kidding. The central theme that I would like to punctuate today is peace. In spite of the evil, conflict, and turmoil, we have a God who is in control. In spite of our anguish and grief over what's happening in Israel, we must continue to have faith in the one who is the supreme ruler over the entire universe. After the terrorist attacks of September 11, 2001, the Western world began to search for meaning behind the Islamic activities. Those events made us aware of another perspective, and that is there is, there is a religion divided up into nations rather than a nation divided up into religions. Let me say that again. There is a religion divided up into nations rather than a nation divided up by religions like America. As a result, we in the West began to fear Muslims, a term used for the people who follow Islam religion. We felt the force of the Islam and we entered into what may be called a clash of civilizations. But what we see and what we feel today is a clash of worldviews. What we see and feel today is truly a clash of worldviews. Finally, I must concur with others that uh, we are feeling the clash of unseen forces. We feel terrible effects of the clash of spiritual good and evil manifested in the words and behavior of human beings. But let me back up for a moment. Where did it all come from? How did it all get started? Well, the attacks that the Americans have been watching since 2001 have sharpened the lines between extreme Islam and the Judeo-Christian world. These lines were drawn in blood 13 centuries ago. An overview of Islam. The Arabs are a collective term for the outcasts to the desert because they trace their lineage, their heritage, back to Abraham through the illegitimate son Ishmael by Hagar, who was cast out into the desert. That's in Genesis 16. Judaism, on the other hand, is traced back through Abraham's other son, Isaac, by his wife Sarah. Thus, Judaism is both a religion and a culture based on the nation of Israel promised to Abraham by God in the Old Testament, Genesis 12. So the division and the lines of animosity were drawn a long, long time ago. Who is Muhammad? Muhammad is a prophet. He is the recipient and the proclaimer of the Quran, the ruler and the commander of chief of Islam. Muhammad was born in Mecca in 570 AD. That's approximately 500 years after the writing of our New Testament. Muhammad was an Arab merchant who heard all kinds of Old Testament biblical stories from all of the traveling merchants through their area. He was fascinated by their stories of God. At the age of 40, he began having a series of visions that occurred over 22 years until he died in 632 A.D. 
he encountered an angel of the Lord that he named Gabriel in a cave near Mecca, Saudi Arabia. His essential message was that there was only one God, Allah, and only one universal religion, Islam. This means that Allah has no partners, contrary to the Christian trinity. And he does not beget, which means he has no sons. He absolutely is sovereign, responsible for everything that happens, including evil. He is not holy and righteous. He is considered merciful and compassionate. After six years of preaching, opposition from the rich mercantile class in Mecca began to grow. So with his life in danger, Muhammad immigrated to Medina, Saudi Arabia. There in Medina, he officially started Islam, a religious and political movement. Muhammad assumed all political power in addition to his claim to being the prophet. His followers adopted the term Muslim for themselves, which means submitted or those who have submitted, the Quran. After three years of keeping his visions private, Muhammad began to recite what he had heard in the cave. He basically was illiterate, that means he could not read or write, but for 10 years, Muhammad relayed his oral traditions to his closest followers, including a body of administrative, political, and religious teachings. These recitations were collected posthumously into a book called the Quran, which in Arabic means recitations. It is still the most sacred book to at least 1.5 million Muslims across the world today. The Quran is about two-thirds the size of our New Testament and is divided into 114 chapters. Every chapter then, of course, is divided up into verses. But in addition to the Quran, oral traditions began to grow into several volumes of writings called the Hadith. The Hadith contains a little more than 7,000 sayings of Muhammad, or at least what believed to be his sayings. Muhammad demanded complete obedience to his words and claimed to be the fulfillment of all the Old Testament prophecies. He claimed that the Quran was God's pre-existent eternal words and it superseded all other scriptures. It is written in Arabic and it must be read and studied in Arabic. No other language, this is a quote, no other language can compare to the language that Allah chose for his final revelation, close quote. Many Muslims today, many Muslims today, do not even know what's in the Quran because they've never had the opportunity to read it and study it. In Muhammad's view, the Old Testament and the New Testament scriptures have been corrupted and have been replaced by the Quran. That is, all previous religions may be regarded as incomplete. Both Judaism and Christianity were true religions at the time of their revelation, but they have been superseded by the final and complete revelation of Islam. The Quran, given to Muhammad, is a replacement or an abrogation for all that we know of as the Bible. Nevertheless, the Quran does not complete Christianity. 
It, it contradicts basic biblical teachings about God and Jesus and personal human salvation. The Quran insists that the Christian trinity is illogical and ungodly. Christians worship three gods, and that is blasphemy against Allah. Jesus, Isa or Isa, is not divine. He is only a prophet of, of Allah. Jesus is not the son of God because he was born of a woman, and he was never crucified. Thus, for devoted followers of Islam, there is no tolerance for infidels, polytheists, or idolaters. And this puts great enmity between the Muslims and the brothers and sisters that are Christians and Jewish. Jihad. Literally, jihad means to struggle, to endeavor. It is commonly translated holy war in the English language. Islam right now is involved in a global holy war to pit it, it, it itself against all the rest of the world, including the West. And it intends to eradicate Christians and Jews wherever they find them. Shahid means to witness, but it also means to be martyred. The greatest way to be a witness is to be martyred in a holy war. This grants a man immediate entrance into heaven, into paradise, where he was rewarded with lots of virgins and rivers flowing with wine. The word jihad appears at least 40 times in the Quran in different forms. In some places, it appears to be nonviolent. In other verses, however, jihad is not only necessary, but completely advantageous. In fact, this is what the Quran commands, and these are all quotes. Kill those who join other gods with God. O oh, prophet, strive in jihad against the unbelievers and the hypocrites, and be firm against them. Their abode is hell. What a miserable destiny. Strike terror in the hearts of your enemies of God and your enemies. So obey not the infidels, but struggle in jihad mightily with them. When the sacred months are over, slay the idolaters wherever you find them. Arrest them, besiege them, and lie in ambush everywhere you find them. Close quotes. Indeed, according to some estimations, there are over a hundred verses calling for violence against non-Muslims. Again, quote, This punishment of those who fight against Allah and his messenger and strive to make mischief in the land is only this. They should be murdered or crucified or their hands and feet cut off on opposite sides or they should be imprisoned. This shall be a disgrace for them in this world and in the hereafter they shall have great torment. Allah loves those who fight in his way. Close quotes. As an example, in 2001, Osama bin Laden was bent on overthrowing moderate Muslim governments and leading a holy war against the infidels, the Americans. Allah and his prophets. In Islam, a prophet is someone who proclaims Allah's message, which is basically the oneness of Allah. Tradition states that Allah has sent 124,000 prophets to mankind. Allah appointed prophets of every age, and every prophet was given a book, 
a holy book. Among the most important prophets, they recognize Moses and the law, David and the Psalms, Jesus, and even John the Baptist. Their stories, however, are very different from our biblical stories and are dramatically misinterpreted. For example, in the Quran, Solomon builds a temple with the help of jinn, J-I-N-N, that is, genies, whose father is Satan. Divisions. Israel and Palestine. Islam is by no means monolithic, but then neither is Christianity when you stop and think about it. It never has been. There are 408 ethno-linguistic groups of Muslims. But think about Christianity in terms of the historic group across the globe. We have often had divisions, traditions, denominations, and factions that have divided us over the centuries. First, we have secularized Muslims or cultural Muslims. As one would imagine, these are the people who have compromised their 7th century Arabic faith with 21st century ideas from the West. Most cultural Muslims today do not feel worthy to read the Quran. Their verses therein are so sacred that no one can understand them. So they pick and choose from what they hear about Islam and the Quran. Please be certain, and I need to repeat this, not all Muslims are bad. Not all Palestinians are terrorists. Please understand that. But enter into history a fundamentalist Muslim movement, which has gained control in such, in such, uh, I'm sorry, such countries as Iran, and Sudan, Saudi Arabia, and Afghanistan. The Ayatollah is a military, political, and religious leader. Moderate governments have caved in to their pressure to institute strict Sharia law. Islamic militants is another catch-all phrase to describe a sporadic global movement of Muslims who want to take Islam back to the 7th century. They intend to impose ancient Islamic law in their own countries and then gradually into the whole world. Since Muslims do not believe in original sin, they seek to perfect society by strictly enforcing Islamic law. Their goal is to restore Islam to its former position of world domination. The notable example of this was ISIS, the Islamic State in Iraq and Syria, which surfaced about 2014. Because Islam is a political religion, Muslims must rule. The extremists cannot live at ease under a non-Muslim government. When Muslims are not in political control, it is because they have forsaken their religion and imitated the infidels, the non-Muslims. They must live under their own religious and political laws and authority. The extreme Muslims follow the Quran to the letter, and they expect everyone to fall in line against Israel and against the United States of America. This brings us to the stormiest issue in the Muslim world today, the problem of Israel under Jewish laws and Palestine under Muslim laws both trying to live together in a tiny little piece of land 
I know that some of you have been there, but when I went to Israel, I was amazed to find out that Israel is no larger than the state of New Jersey. The Gaza Strip that you have heard so much about is 25 miles long, five to seven miles across. This little tiny sliver of land is highly disputed. Palestinians and Israel and, and Israelis both consider the territory between the River Jordan and the Mediterranean Sea their own. It has little to say. Th th this has been said about the Arab-Israeli war, and I like it. Too much history and too little geography. Indeed, way too much history and not enough geography. After the Arab-Israeli Arab Six-Day War in 1948, the independent modern state of Israel was born. Yet, the Jewish conquest of 1272 BC, the Jews had dominion over the land for a thousand years, with a continuous presence in the land for the last 3,300 years. After the 1948 war, the Arab residents were encouraged to leave what they considered to be their homeland. Those who chose, those who chose to stay were, became Arab refugees within the state of Israel. In 1964, the PLO was formed. That's the Palestine Liberation Organization. Perhaps you remember Anwar Sadat. Its roots are in the, the Palestinian branch of the Muslim Brotherhood, and its charter still calls for the destruction of the state of Israel and the establishment of an independent Palestinian state. Another agreement happened in 1964. Remember, that's almost 20 years past the birth of the modern state of Israel. Despite ongoing conflicts, Israel gave the Palestinians most of the West Bank, and including the Gaza Strip. Since then, the Palestinians have lived separately in what is known as Palestinian territories within the state of Israel. The nation of Palestine was recognized in 2006. So in contrast to Israel, it's hard to see how they could possibly claim ancient historical rights to the land. Within Israel, the Palestinians created primarily two parties, the Palestinian Authority and Hamas. They were given the Gaza Strip, and they were given complete autonomy under the Palestinian Authority. And yet, it is Hamas who is in control of the area. Hamas is an Arabic acronym meaning zeal. Officially, it is the Islamic resistance movement. It is a Sunni Islamic political and military organization. The group was founded in 1987 in Gaza, and the headquarters remain in Gaza City. It is considered the largest and the most capable militant group among the Palestinian territories. The Hamas were voted into power by the people of the Gaza Strip and it has been in control of this densely populated area since 2006. But no elections have happened since then. The United States designated Hamas as a terrorist organization in 1997, since it was committed to using violence in its aim of replacing Israel with the Palestinian state. 
the Hamas Charter of 2017 declared, and I quote, Palestine is a land that is seized by a racist, anti-human, and colonial Zionist project. Close quotes. This, of course, is so far from the truth. They accuse the Israelis of doing exactly what they were doing. Hamas has adopted the principle of armed resistance, and they've called for the complete annihilation of Israel. Hezbollah is a Lebanese Shia Islamic political party and militant group. It was founded in 1982 in southern Lebanon, which is just north of Israel, like Colorado and Wyoming. It's called the Party of God, and its ideology is focused on expelling Western powers from the Middle East and rejecting Israel's right to exist. The Hezbollah Manifesto of 2009 calls for liberating Lebanon by destroying Israel. That is, both Islamic militant groups seek to eliminate the nation of Israel, which is the only democracy in the Middle East with honest elections. These groups, and many others that I know you've heard of, are brazenly supported and funded by the nation of Iran. The force of Iran is becoming more and more evident to our government and to the governments of the European Union. We know that the strategic objective of Iran is to eliminate both Israel and the United States of America. In fact, Barbara Tuckman wrote, and I quote, Israel has confounded persecution and outlived exile to become the only nation in the world that is governing itself in the same territory, under the same name, with the same religion, and the same language as it did 3,000 years ago. This is clear from authentic Jewish history. Israel became a nation in 1312 B.C. That's 2,000 years before the rise of Islam. For over 3,300 years, Jerusalem has been the Jewish capital. King David founded the city under the direction and the authority of God. Jerusalem has never been a capital for any Arab or Muslim entity. Even when the Jordanians occupied Jerusalem, they never sought to make it their capital, and none of the Arab leaders went to Jerusalem. Jerusalem is mentioned over 700 times in our Bible. It is not mentioned at all in the Quran. Jews pray facing Jerusalem. Muslims pray with their backs to Jerusalem. The Arabs are represented by eight separate nations, not including the Palestinians. There's only one Jewish nation. The Arab nations have initiated five wars and have lost them all. Israel has defended herself each time and has won. Ultimately, what we have is a great clash of worldviews, a worldview that, that is how people understand ultimate reality. Conflicting worldviews continue to divide the world, and there are profound differences between the Judeo-Christian worldview and the Muslim worldview. Islam sees God as very remote and utterly transcendent. Christians worship a God 
who became flesh and is therefore both knowable and intimate through the incarnation. Muslims believe that humans are born good but are corrupted by non-Islamic cultures. Christians believe that all humans are creatures of, that have fallen and we all need divine redemption. For Islamists, the best hope of personal salvation is to eliminate non-Muslim influences and to advance Islam by force if necessary. In other words, for Muslim men, salvation is by works, and there is no certainty of eternal salvation except in cases of martyrdom for the cause of Islam. Women have secondary status and are, quote, saved through obedience to their husbands, unquote. In contrast, human, Christians believe that both genders are confident of a full pardon because of the work of Jesus Christ. Mohammed rode into Mecca on a stallion with a sword to conquer by force. Jesus rode into Jerusalem on a donkey. Islam is a religion based on the sword. Judaism and Christianity are religions based on moral persuasion. Generally, Christians believe in winning people through love, not conquest. If you study Islam carefully, and Judaism as well, actually, you will see that there is no mention of a loving God. Years ago, Dave and I attended a Jewish bat mitzvah for a young lady. She had to open the Torah and read in Hebrew from it. While it was a beautiful ceremony, I noticed that not once, not once, did the word love mention throughout the entire service. No love. But see, that's what makes Christians different. In the Christian scriptures, God is love. 1 John 4.16 Allah is not love. We worship a very different God. A young man on Facebook just wrote, I left Islam because I studied Muhammad's life. I accepted the gospel because I studied Jesus' life. This long and painful conflict will not be over soon. Like it or not, ancient worldviews are again struggling for dominion. In 2002, following the attacks on America, Chuck Colson wrote, The battle for hearts and minds is no less critical than the battle on the ground. Christians must take their place, prepared to defend the great kingdom truths that offer love and hope for all humankind. Shalom. In Psalm 122, which you just heard, the psalmist told the ancient Israelites, pray for peace in Jerusalem. Under present circumstances, peace in Jerusalem seems incredibly unreachable. World peace seems impossible. But in the psalm, there is a beautiful wordplay in the Hebrew language that tightly connects the words to pray, peace, Jerusalem, and to be secure. The roots of all of these words, the root of all of these Hebrew words, is shalom. In verse 8, the poet says, peace to be within you. 
No doubt that you have heard that the Hebrew word shalom translates into peace. But its meaning is much richer and deeper than that. It denotes soundness, completeness, wholeness, to be at ease, to be at rest. For the nation, it indicates safety and security and a cessation of conflict. For individual human beings, it implies a close and unhindered relationship with God. In fact, it is only in a relationship with God that one finds true peace. It is my sincere hope and prayer that in the shadow of this war, all the secular, nationalistic Jews in Israel and across the globe will reconfirm their faith in the one true God, return and recommit to his eternal covenant with his people. Indeed, we can all pray for peace in the world, but we already have a peace that surpasses human understanding. This is not the absence of war. This peace expresses itself in positive rightness and well-being. In John's Gospel, Jesus reassured his frightened disciples, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives peace, but my peace. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Do not be afraid. I have told you these things so that in me you might have peace. In this world, you will have trouble, right? But take heart. I have overcome the world. Let's pray. Father God, we acclaim you as Lord of the universe. Your power, your authority over all the earth. You alone are sovereign. But we thank you for being in a relationship with us and for loving us. We confess that we do not often understand your ways, and we know that you are in control of both our present and our future. Thank you, God, for sending your Son to grant us peace, your peace. Lord, help us to be shalom, to be wholeness, in a broken, fractured world. Amen.